Hi friends, welcome back to Ideas Have Consequences. This is a bonus episode to our discussion that we uh, just had with Pastor John Benzinger. That episode uh, just came out, um, and this is just a debrief discussion of that. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, we would uh, highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. Uh, it's a great discussion. I learned a bunch. Uh, I know we all enjoyed it. Um, and during this time, we just wanted to debrief um, about just... Sometimes with these episodes and these guests that come on, uh, the topics that we talk about can seem somewhat disconnected from our overall movement and our overall mission here at the Disciple Nations Alliance. Um, but uh, we invite these guests on. We talk about these ideas. Ideas have consequences um, because every world, the biblical worldview applies to everything. Um, so we just wanted to take a little bit of time to unpack the episode uh, for those of you who have listened to it uh, and discuss uh the connection between um, what we're talking about with John Benzinger, with critical race theory, the new social justice movement, Marxism, so forth, and what that has to do with a biblical worldview. So what'd you guys think? Uh, what, what were some of your first takeaways from the discussion? What, what, what were your highlights from that? John is passionate. <clears throat> yeah. No, yeah. I was, I was, I, my internet connection was bad, so I didn't say anything, but uh, I was just fascinated to listen to him and to understand how much he has thought and thought so deeply in terms of, of the gospel and its application and its, its, uh, how, it, how it connects or doesn't connect to CRT theory. It's fascinating. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought the same thing that um, I thought John did a good job of, of Put you know, kind of framing the discussion of critical race theory more broadly within this same basic set of ideas that have been around now for over 200 years, you know, that, that go back to Karl Marx and the people that led up to his, um, you know, his way of thinking, his ideology, and that we are still wrestling with these really profoundly destructive ideas Um but kind of in a new way, you know, in a in a in a sense, the you know the the first the first uh, iteration of kind of Marxist ideology that you know th- those ideas that had such horrible consequences for nations around the world, it kind of spent itself and played itself out, you know, uh, with the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union. But then there was a reboot um, in the 1950s. Uh, social theorists, the Frankfurt School and other social theorists, Antonio Gramsci, um, you know, they essentially uh, kind of reconfigured Marxism to account for some of the weaknesses of the first version, you know, 1.0, if you will. And that is still playing out today. In fact, it in some ways isn't just playing out, it's really in some ways at a peak right now. And that's why we feel like we're in such revolutionary times, and as John said, we it's because we really are. I mean, we're really in the midst of a social, cultural revolution in the West and in countries around the world that are influenced by these ideas. So I thought he did a, a really nice job of explaining that broader picture. Yeah. Scott, why don't you help us out? What is, what's the CRT worldview in a nutshell? Yeah, you know, um, in a nutshell, I mean, it's, it's rooted in atheism. I mean, so again, the, the, the people that okay. um, uh, were the kind of the creative originators of these ideas, people like Karl Marx, of course, and others, 
Um, we're we're hard, what I would call hard atheists, you know. But um, they weren't nihilists in, in the sense that they, you know, they they had no hope. There there was a hope. They wanted to create a kind of a utopian heaven on earth. But in their worldview, there is no God. There is no ultimate truth, you know, objective truth. Everything devolves into power. So in their worldview, power is really fundamental. And in their worldview, power is always negative. And this, just to contrast that with the biblical worldview, the biblical worldview also has a lot to say about power and authority. All of it resides with God, you know. Um, But it's not, you know, in a fallen world, power is corrupted and is used negatively, but it's not uniformly negative by any means because God is powerful and he's good. And Jesus brings that goodness and power together. And uh, so there's that. I think another key piece of this ideology is just the way it views human beings. Um, We're we're not image bearers of God. Um, We're actually, in this worldview, we're, we're socially determined creatures, meaning that um, the groups that we belong to, and these would be largely, at least for this current iteration, groups based on things like skin color, uh, sex, male, female, or gender, you know, gender expression. Uh, so, the tr- you know, any of those groups really define you. Those things define you. Uh, again, to contrast that with the biblical worldview, uh, we would say that, you know, groups... Um, our communities, if you will, they do influence us, no question about it. And God, God made us for groups and communities. We're a part. We're social beings. So we agree with that. But they don't. Those groups don't define us, right? Ultimately, we're defined uh, as image bearers of God. You know that that's ultimately what defines us as unique individuals that that are created by God in His image. We're shaped by groups. We're not defined by them. And then, you know, the last and the key piece for this ideology is that it's going to pit all of these groups um, against one another. It's, um, it's going to make a claim that, um, you know, that all of these groups can be kind of divided into two categories, oppressors and oppressed. Um, and the oppressors have worked to kind of jigger society and the systems of society in such a way that they are advantaged at the expense of people that are oppressed, um, the victims of oppression. Uh, there's some truth there again, right? You know, biblically, I think what this does is it it just it carries that to you know it carries that to some kind of you know extreme that becomes unreal. You know, so for example, what I what do I mean by that? So if if your skin color is brown or black, you are oppressed kind of regardless of whatever your circumstances in life are. You could be Barack Obama's children and have gone to the best prep schools and Ivy League schools, and yet you're still going to be considered oppressed because of things like skin color. So the the Bible would say, yeah, victimization and oppression is real. It doesn't have anything to do with those categories. It has to do with actual circumstances that you faced. For example, I always use the example of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the man who was beaten up and left to die on the side of the road was a victim, okay? Not because of skin color or gender or anything like that, but because of the fact that he was beaten up and left to die. So we need to be concerned about these issues, but not in the way that they're defined with this ideology. It's a revolutionary ideology in that it wants to create a kind of utopian heaven on earth, 
Um, and it does that by tearing down what it views as oppressive structures um, in order to kind of usher in this utopian future, or utopian society. And that's what makes this ideology so destructive and so deadly. There's never been a, a set of ideas more deadly than these Marxist-rooted ideas. Um, never. I mean, Nazism isn't even doesn't even come close to the death and the destruction wrought by these Why ideas. Why do you say that, Scott? Oh, just the, just the body count, you know. Uh, I mean, just how, how many people have been imprisoned and killed around the world in places like the USSR and China and North Korea. Um, you know, it's it far surpasses what happened. I mean, I'm not minimizing what happened in World War II and in the concentration camps, but... And I just say all that because, um, you know, ideas have consequences, and these are really deadly ideas, really destructive ideas. They destroy relationships, they divide, and... They, um, they ultimately will, you know, lead to violence, and as John said in this. So, um, anyways, that's that's it in a nutshell. It's these are these are ideas that we should all be familiar with. But if most people are like myself, I kind of discredited these ideas after the '80s. I kind of thought after it looked like the wall had fallen down in Berlin, I thought they'd played themselves out. It wasn't relevant except on the margins in places like Venezuela or Cuba. And what I didn't see until recently was that it was kind of like a two-part movie, and, you know, we were at the end of the part one, but now this whole, you know, kind of part two comes into play, and we're, we're having to deal with kind of the resurrection of the evil villain all over again in a different <laughs> form, so. Yeah. Um, I mean— so we're the Disciple Nations Alliance. What does Marxism have to do with our call and our Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations? Yeah, well, I mean, I think ultimately, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too, Dwight, but um, ultimately our call, our mission as Christians is to um, to bring, you know, it, it, it's encapsulated in that prayer, you know, the Lord's Prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to bring the rule and the reign, in the, you know, here on earth as it exists in heaven, not in our own strength or our own power, through the power of God and through the power of his Holy Spirit. We're to see positive change. Um, uh, we're, we're, to, we're to work for that. Um, and that comes through the truth, through living out the truth um, in not just our personal lives or our spiritual lives, but in every area. Um, part of what that means is that you have to identify and you have to counter these really powerful lies that are so destructive at any given time. That's part of what it means to live out the truth, is to, is to speak truthfully and kind of prophetically against whatever ideology happens to be out there at any given time that's destroying people and destroying lives. So, um, you know, our, our motive in this is to see nations prosper and flourish, recognizing, of course, that none of this is going to be completed in any kind of uh, fulfilled way until Jesus comes back again. But until then, we have our work to do. And I think part of that work is, yeah, it's just speaking out against these false and deadly ideologies. We, we talk about it in our core teaching in a session called the ABCs of Culture. So if you're a part of the DNA, or you're new to the DNA, I would encourage you to go to our Coram Deo Basics course, and you can pay special attention to 
the ABCs of culture where we talk about um, demonic or satanic lies and how those are used to destroy. Dwight, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, as I was listening to John, I kept thinking, why is Satan... Because my sense is that that this movement is growing. You use the word peak, but I, I think it continues to gain strength mm. and power. Mm. And and I, I think of this in terms of our audience being outside the U.S. and, and the impact of CRT like in Chile or in yes. Paraguay mm-hmm. or in Zambia even. And I don't know the expression of it there, but it seems like there's a movement to push it everywhere. Yeah. And then I ask myself, why why is Satan so keen on this? What is it in his agenda? Because we struggle not against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we struggle against these principalities and powers in high places. We struggle against the source of our adversary himself, you know, Satan. I'm thinking, what? What's what's he got? What what's this? What's this do for him? And the first thought I came to was, well, it's anti-God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it it. Um, you know, it, it denies Christ, mm. it's anti-Christ, but also it wants to replace God. When I think of China, when I think of Russia, when I think of any totalitarian regime that wants control over the entire population, over every individual, it's to replace God. We will be your provider. We will be your knowledge. We know we, we know all the medical stuff, just trust us. And basically, you get a new sovereign. You're no longer under God, you're under your state, you're under the state or whatever controlling government you have. And I think that's the other one you alluded to, Scott, which just it creates division, which creates conflict, which creates bloodshed ultimately. Yeah, there's there's nothing division. in the ideology that that ha- there's and, no ground at all for unity. There's not unity between people because we're not defined as human beings with something that we have in common in that respect. We're defined by our groups. I I always go back to this um, This image in my mind is there was, um, this is several years ago now, but there was this group of students that confronted a professor at Yale University, right. and they had surrounded him and were threatening him using, you know, the most vile language and screaming at this professor. And at one point in that exchange, um, you know, the, uh, the professor who was trying to be quite reasonable and try to understand, and he was trying to kind of diffuse the situation— you know, he said, I want to talk about what we have in common. He was trying to build commonality and common bridge with these folks, these young students. And a black student got right up in his face in a really threatening way. And he says, he said, um, your experience and my experience will never connect. And those words really hit me. I thought, because he's black and the, the professor was white, there, there's nothing that can connect them. There's, no, there's nothing that they have in common. And I thought, if that if that's your uh, what you believe about human nature, let's say, then all you're going to be is divided. You can't even talk with each other, you know, you because mm-hmm. you just can't relate to each other. You have completely different experiences. And I thought that kind of captured a real essence of this ideology. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and that's so deadly, right? I mean, if if you just get in these camps that are isolated, and then you begin to kind of question the other side and say, you've gamed the system at my expense, right? All that's going right. wrong with me and my life and my group, it's because of you, right? These are 
once you start thinking that way, you're going to end in not only conflict, but quite likely bloodshed, you know, and we know that because it has. I mean, we've seen this play out in the world, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a a documentary last weekend on Northern Ireland, and that's exactly what happened between the Protestants and Catholics. Yes. they, They moved way beyond you're a human and I'm a human to I hate you. Yeah. You're, there's no way we have anything in common, and yeah. eventually anger could lead to, to violence. That's and right. It did. And there's no basis for forgiveness either. You know, uh, you've harmed me. I need to forgive you. There's no, uh, you know, forgiveness is such a biblical idea. It's so deeply biblical because God Himself, right, sends His own Son not to condemn us, but to forgive us and and pay the price for our sins on the cross and. And then we're commanded, right, to forgive others, and it's such a deeply biblical idea. But this ideology has not—none of that exists in this ideology. There is no forgiveness. It's just retribution. It's just, I'm going to get you back. You're going to pay. You know, that's all there is. There's no room for the cross. That's right. I I think—I thought the other—the third thing that comes comes to mind, why is Satan so into this CRT worldview— and you mentioned this in the podcast at one point, and that's because it undermines, I think, the essence of what it means to be human. Yes. Which is, I am a unique individual called to be fruitful, called to have dominion, mm-hmm. called to be creative, called to express myself in this world and actually exchange fruitfulness with, with you. I produce, you produce, we create. And if you if you look at societies that are oppressive, that gets shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you dress the same, you work the same, you 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 don't choose your career. The government chooses your career for you. Yes, all of that gets suppressed. Yes. So the which you know in your book you talk about the this idea of freedom and mm. and authority. Well, freedom ultimately is the freedom to be you mm-hmm. and to say what you think and to do what you're called to do and to express your gifts that God has given you. That just gets. Yeah. CRT has no room for that. No, no room. No, the I love what our Not. friend, mutual friend Elizabeth Human says about, you know, the the promise of every every child, which, you know, is the promise of every human being, right? They're born with a purpose and a destiny and a place in God's story. In other words, God uses people to uh, fulfill his plans in history, you know, the, the, this incredible power and potential that we have as children of God, of image as image bearers of God, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, right. And yeah, this uh, ideology strips all of that away, and it doesn't see you as shaping history, but you're a victim of it, right? You're a victim of what other people have done. And so you have very little agency, right? Very little Zero. ability to change things other than figure out a way of getting back at that group that's 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 supposedly harmed you and tearing them down i mean that that's the that's kind of it's almost like your agency is limited to violence Mm -hmm. that's right and tearing down or deconstructing using their own language their own language is deconstructing or dismantling or this and that right exactly right and i you know, why why what's the appeal of all this dwight and i think that for me the answer is if there is no God, there is no hope, right? And and people that have no belief in God, they have no hope other than the hope that that they themselves can make a better future or that the best and the brightest of them can somehow make a better future. And, you know, you, you end up with these kind of human utopian schemes always, right? If there is no God, you know, we have to kind of 
figure this out on our own. And this just happens to be, you know, the kind of main set of ideas in the West for how we're going to fix this stuff, you know, the fix the world. We're going to we're going to usher in a better world by tearing down all these oppressive groups and by controlling people essentially you know <laughs> so yeah and it, my response to that was the you know our our well, not my ancestors cuz they didn't come that early in the US but but the founders of the US said we want to create a utopian society as well but it was i will do it with my hands i will do it with, under my fig tree you know, mm. I will build my house. Whereas the, the CRT is more like, no, you join a movement and that movement will, will create the, the environment that will work for you. Yeah. So that's right. It's back to the state taking care of you, the state creating the, the utopia. Yes. And those ideas were all very much present from the very beginning in Marxism, Karl Marx himself, right? The state is going to be our savior, um, not the individual. You know, the individual is just merely a, a part of this larger group called the state. And uh, right. and it was revolutionary. I mean, Marx was a revolution. In order for this perfect society to, to come into play, the old society, the thing that went before, had to be torn down, root and branch. And that's what we're seeing now. The old has to be torn down. And that old in the West has a lot of Christian in it. And this is the, <laughs> this is the hostility to to Christian ideas, right, that this ideology has. It's, right. It is anti-Christ. I, I like what you said, Dwight. I mean, it is anti-Christian. It's anti-Christ. So then the question is just, you know, why does this matter to us as Christians? You know, well, I think it, it, if, if you feel like your theology says, hey, it doesn't matter because things, you know, things are going to get worse and things are going to get more demonic and get destroyed and then we go to heaven— well, then it probably doesn't matter to you, but that's not what we believe. You know, we believe that. I mean, yeah, things are going to get worse. I would say that. We, we, we use that parable of the wheat and the weeds a lot to describe kind of what we see coming up. But the wheat is also growing, and that's the, that's the truth and the goodness and the beauty of the kingdom of God. We need to be focused on that in our generation, our nation, in the nations around the world. We need to combat these things. Um, I mean, ultimately, we leave it in God's hands. He's the one that's going to take out the weeds at the end and burn them. But, uh, but you know, we, we should be focused on the wheat and whatever, you know, weeds are preventing that wheat from growing and flourishing, we need to be concerned about. Exactly. Hmm. Well, I well, think, great. yeah, I think good, Luke. I think this will be, I think, you know, I hope people will really benefit from what Pastor John says. He's, he's quite passionate. I think he sees things quite clearly. Um, and I, I think, Many people will probably struggle with just how, how um, you know, how far he thinks we are. But, but I would encourage everyone to listen carefully and just, uh, you know, kind of weigh and measure, you know, his his perspective. So, well, appreciate the clarification. Uh, that was that was one of my takeaways. Is wow, he's passionate. Like, you know, it gets you a little nervous. But then when you when you get, do what you guys are just doing and breaking it down, is like. These, this idea, Marx's idea, the worst idea ever proposed to humanity, it's destructive. It is. And it's not only, it's not only making us tribalistic, um, but when you, when you lose, when you become tribalistic in a pursuit of fairness, is you lose all, you know, everything that's good that makes us humans, you know, you lose beauty right away. Mm. If it's all about fairness, you don't have the diversity to go and pursue beauty and create new things like that. You, you lose goodness because 
all the goodness that you can do. Other people think it's just because you're just trying to make amends for the other groups that maybe are oppressed or whatnot. And um, you obviously lose truth. That goes out the door right away. Um, So when you get down to the roots of it, uh, you know, there's always worldviews vying for power, vying for (laughs) acceptance. And uh, um, our call to go and make disciples of nations is to go and promote a biblical worldview. Yes. And uh, we have to know that uh, sometimes that's going to look offensive. Sometimes that's going to look defensive. But uh, we just continue to faithfully share it. That's right. Amen. And uh, yeah, on that note, um, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thanks again for listening to the episode with John Benzinger. And thanks for listening to this uh, this little summary discussion here uh, on Ideas Have Consequences. We'll see you next week. <laughs>